you say, well, let's hope you get better. And they say, but you don't understand. I have to go. And you have to go back and forth about this. And the reality is, is that the that there's something, as David alluded to, there's just something otherworldly about this. I have no problem with other, I mean, other states reacting to these things in, in different ways and all the rest. But at the end of the day, if you if you don't have this thing under control, if you don't have some regime for testing, which is what is the only way I am, as I understand it, you can truly get it under control, you risk having more hotspots. And uh, New York could still turn into a hotspot. It's not like the vast majority of New Yorkers have been exposed to the coronavirus. Um, you know, most of them haven't. And if they all started getting back on the subway without having some means of controlling this and doing contact tracing, you could be essentially right back to where we were before, at least in terms of the numbers of infections and serious cases. Maybe they're better mobilized to deal with it now so the curve could actually be higher in terms of hospital uh, capacity and all of the rest. And so it's just, I mean, it's 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 sort of a bizarre conversation. You know, we've had this thing where Trump wants to sometimes claim now that he has total authority to do this and sometimes to reopen the economy. Sometimes he says, well, it's up to the governors. I'm with David. It's it's not up to any of them. It's 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 there's a collective action issue here in terms of what is the actual state of the the pandemic on the ground. And it's entirely possible to open up parts of the economy that don't matter as much to the GNP or the GDP as other parts of the economy. But you just sort of have to wait and see and and play it by ear. And while I agree with David that I do think that Twitter distorts this. If you read Twitter, you would have no idea that the polling is so lopsided in favor of um, quarantines, in favor of lockdowns, um, and uh, and split on on Donald Trump's performance. You know, it's it's uh, it, Twitter is a, has a distortion effect, but the people who are contributing to that distortion effect are playing an outsized role elsewhere. We had my old friend, Bill Bennett, who I, I'm sort of brokenhearted having to criticize him again, but going around saying this is just the flu, that this is a uh, essentially, he's not saying it's a hoax. He's saying that it's an exaggeration and hype and all of that. Um, it's just not the flu, right? It's just not the flu. You don't normally during flu season talk about flu hotspots around the country. Um, and uh, and what is weird about – so I think one of the things that drives some of these people is that the pandemic has completely thrown into the garbage heap of history the narrative that they wanted about the roaring economy, about how Trump was high in the saddle. And uh, they want to sort of talk our way back into that narrative regardless of the facts on the ground. And one of the main places where that's being done is on Twitter, but Twitter is not real life. Yeah, let me let me just pick up on that real quick. I, I think there are a couple different, I mean, oversimplifying a little bit here. I think there are a couple different groups th that are making this case that it's time to open up. Certainly one of them is, as Jonah suggests, kind of the, the a lot of people in the Trumpy center right um, parts of Twitter. Uh, and I think they're making this argument for a couple of reasons. One, they want to support Donald Trump. They're frustrated that this economy could threaten his reelection, which, you know, f looked pretty good to them, I think, uh, two, three months ago. 
Um, and, and two, many of these people are the same people who were saying from the outset that this was not really that big a deal, echoing the kinds of comments that we heard Donald Trump making. So for them to kind of turn now and say, well, yeah, you know what, it was a really big deal and, and I got it wrong, um, feels, um, I, I guess they're, they're less inclined to do that than they are to, the, to try to insist that this thing that's causing thousands of deaths every day is not that big a deal. Um, then there's a second group, and I'm much more sympathetic to the second group. I think the second group are, are, are people, and I've spoken to, to some of these people, are, are, are folks who you know, live in you know, rural parts of the country who look around and they're not close to anybody. They don't interact with people on a, on a, you know, lots of people on a daily basis. And they, they look around at their life as it was two months ago and say, boy, I can live my life much the same way that I could have a couple months ago. And what's with all these crazy restrictions because people in New York City are getting sick? Why should there be restrictions in central Wisconsin or rural South Carolina? Um, and I don't think those are unreasonable questions to ask, particularly when you look at some of the overreach that we've seen from local governors, whether it's Gretchen Whitmer in, in Michigan banning you know, garden uh, sections of big box stores or, uh, you know, cops running people down on the beach in a famous video that 